0: Well, welcome to another episode of Purple Insider, presented by Scout Logistics. Matthew Collar here, and along with me, formerly known as Intern Paul, now he's just regular Paul Hordewanek, writes for the Pioneer Press, among other media entities these days. How are you, Paul?
1: I'm doing good. Do you think, will it always be formerly Intern Paul? Do you think we'll always need to do that? You think? Yes. I'm cool with that. I, yeah. I thought about changing my Twitter name to just Intern Paul, so I'm fine with that branding, but... Like five years down the road, are we still going to say formally intern? Okay.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yep, for sure. Uh, That is your brand. And uh, because you interned for everyone in the Twin Cities. So everyone, if I, even if... So like, if I just say that, oh yeah, intern Paul helps me out. People are like, oh yeah, I know intern Paul. So every, everyone knows you that way. And it's going to stay that way, even though you are professional Paul now, which I guess that maybe that should be the new brand professional Paul. (laughs) Um, Speaking of which uh, a very exciting announcement for the Vikings today that uh, Kelly Klein is leaving. She is one of their high ranking executives in the scouting department to go work for the Denver Broncos. Um, so just a cool thing. She started as a PR intern and now she is the highest ranking woman executive in the NFL going from the Vikings to the Broncos. So that's a very, just a very cool thing for the Vikings. So, Hey, you never know. You start off as the intern person, Paul, and the sky is the limit.
1: I I can't wait to be running the Denver Broncos someday. This is (laughs) exciting news for me. This is great.
0: Yeah. I think that's exactly what I meant. Uh, There there was another one, Todd Downing too, started, I think, as a PR intern and he ended up as an offensive coordinator for the Raiders. And he was a tight end coach here for the Vikings. So yeah. uh, Dream big, I guess all of you people who are interning. Uh, So since there is nothing in, in terms of like pressing Viking news at the moment, uh, I wanted to get together with you and just have some fun. So we wrote some questions for each other, and I've got a lot to come this week. Brad Spielberger is going to come on for PFF and talk about the Vikings' future cap situation, what they could do with the rest of their cap space. Uh, Steven Ruiz is also scheduled to come on from USA Today and break down quarterback situations and who has the best short-term and long-term quarterback situation. So, and of course, Sam will be around, Courtney will be around. So there's lots, lots to do. But today, I thought it's a, it's a beautiful day out. Let's just have some fun with the show. And so you've written three questions for me, I've written three questions for you. So I'm just going to start out with my first question. I was thinking about where the Vikings stand right now amongst other organizations for a long-term outlook. And I wanted to ask you this question. How many teams are closer to winning a Super Bowl in the next 3 years than the Minnesota Vikings? Would it be 0 to 5 teams, 6 to 10 teams, 11 to 15 teams, more than 15 teams. Like if you go through the rest of the league over the next 3 seasons and we're trying to project forward, how many will have better odds to win the Super Bowl than the Vikings?
1: This was just a really intriguing question as I was going through all the teams and trying to figure out cuz it brings in multiple windows of where teams could be and kind of what their outlook looks like this year but what it could look like in a couple years and same thing for the Vikings three years from now, the Vikings could look a lot different specifically at that quarterback spot than they are right now. So it's an interesting kind of thought exercise of where teams could be. I I generally was around that 10 to 15 range. I think if you're being generous, you could maybe sneak them into the back end of the five to 10, but most when I was going through it, most likely it seemed like that 10 to 15 as you're just kind of going through the, the teams, obviously the chiefs, the bills, the Ravens, I all had ahead Tampa the 49ers, even I think probably have a, a a sooner window, they would have a better chance Seahawks, Cleveland, those were kind of the no brainers for me. And then you can make arguments for a lot of teams, whether that's the Rams, uh, Miami, uh, Dallas, the Chargers, even if Justin Herbert, so that kind of middle tier of, of those teams, Arizona, uh, Washington, even Atlanta, all those teams are just kind of like right on the edge where I wouldn't be mad if you said Vikings and you made a compelling argument for it. But I think there's also things pointing in the other direction. So for me doing this, it made me realize just how many teams are kind of in that third tier, maybe not the top tier, not maybe even that second tier, the perennial in the playoffs teams, but those ones that are kind of sniffing around it all the time in one hot run, uh, one, maybe player that you didn't expect to hit hits and then, things kind of blow up. The Vikings were kind of right in that window for me when you were going through it. What what did you see?
0: So a few things, different things I thought of off of this question. One would be, would you factor that the Vikings have not made a Super Bowl since the 70s into whether they could make the Super Bowl within the last 3 years? I do not. I don't think that that matters. I mean, the New Orleans Saints were an atrocity of a franchise for a long time, and then they were pretty good in the late 80s and early 90s, but they were never a serious contender even when they had the Dome Patrol. And then Drew Brees shows up and there's Super Bowl contender every year for what? Like 15 years. Uh, so, you know, I think that it can change very quickly. And with this team, I mean, we've seen all sorts of different uh, teams go to the Super Bowl. You build a strong roster one year. The Vikings were one game away from it just in 2017. And the way that they've rebuilt a lot of this roster is through the draft, through young players, building with Justin Jefferson, building the offensive line. So th- they sort of have this every decade this sort of peak type of season and could that come within the next three years i I think that it could and and i don't think that like history says no you can't do it i do know a lot of vikings fans who feel that way they they just feel like i'll never ever ever see a super bowl but tell me would you factor that in because i would not
1: i don't think so i think the fan base would i think the general overall media maybe might just in terms of that's kind of the narrative of they they haven't gotten here and then I mean, Vikings fans don't have to look far for bad postseason play in the city. In terms of the Twins, the Wild, the Timberwolves, just never get there. So it's not exactly a town rich with um confidence in terms of what happens when it comes to the playoffs. And the Vikings have had their own shortcomings in um the past, you know, five ten years in the playoffs as well. Um, so I mean, from player to player, I don't I don't really think it's going to have an effect on that. And so no, I I wouldn't say so. And like you said, there's teams that are bad that suddenly jump up. The Rams were doing nothing until Sean McVay got there. They go to a super bowl. Tampa was kind of always one of those teams people thought might be good, but then just always disappointed. Tom Brady comes in. That's just what's going to happen when you have Tom Brady. So I, yeah, I don't, I don't put much stock into the hat. It hasn't been, it hasn't happened in 50 years or whatever.
0: So here's another thing I thought of is if you're comparing the AFC and the NFC over the next couple of years, the AFC, You have, I'm still skeptical on Josh Allen. I'm going to have to see it for multiple seasons because Carson Wentz once fooled us and he was nearly the MVP of the league. So let's see it a couple of years in a row, but let's just go off what we know right now. So Miami has built a strong roster. The Buffalo Bills have a top quarterback with a really, really, really strong roster. Kansas City is Kansas City. Um, Denver might get Aaron Rodgers. Cleveland is a rising team. Baltimore is always good. Cincinnati is a rising team. Uh, the uh, South, I mean, if Urban Meyer has any idea what he's doing, he should be able to build a good team in Jacksonville. You know, Indianapolis is always competitive. Tennessee's always competitive. The AFC is tough. There's a lot of different teams you could see. And even the New York Jets. I mean, if Zach Wilson hits, the New York Jets could be great. The NFC is a little more up in the air. Now, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, same sort of deal. If they hit, they could be great. Russell Wilson might want to leave. Um, not convinced that Dak Prescott can necessarily win a Super Bowl just yet. Uh, although I'm maybe higher on Dallas than some people for this year. San Francisco is certainly a contender. But if Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady within the next three years and Drew Brees has retired, and maybe even Matt Ryan, who hasn't been a huge contender in a couple of years, but like you start looking at it and going, I mean, unless somebody like Kyler Murray or Daniel Jones or Trey Lance or Justin Fields, unless one of these guys emerges as being the next Patrick Mahomes, the NFC is just kind of going to have a lot of teams that could all be about the same. Um, And, 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 you know, who knows how much that could change with other quarterbacks who get drafted in the next couple of years. We don't really know that yet. Who's going to get Spencer Rattler and whoever else emerges. But just right now, if you're kind of projecting forward, there isn't anyone that I look at, including Matt Stafford in Los Angeles that says, Oh no, they're gonna be so much head and shoulders above everybody else, like you say with Kansas City. They're always gonna be there. The Super Bowl's always gonna go through them. And and that to me opens the door for for a possible appearance and then whether you can actually win the Super Bowl or not. So I guess I, I haven't given my answer, just sort of working my way through it. I would say I also have to go backwards a little bit. Like, who do I think has no chance at winning the Super Bowl? Because this is, I mean, this is football, is everyone feels like they have a chance. But, I mean, do we think Philadelphia in the next three years can win one? Uh, No, I don't think so. Um, Detroit in the next three years, they they would have to have something really change. Atlanta has kind of put themselves in a tough spot with Matt Ryan. Carolina is run by manatees. I don't think that they're (laughs) going to do anything. Um, South Park fans will appreciate that joke. Houston, what? Like, no, no. Uh, Indianapolis with Carson Wentz will not win the Super Bowl, I don't think. know Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill, Pittsburgh is not winning the Super Bowl, So there's a lot of teams that I can sort of count backwards from. And I think that teams that I would decidedly put way over the Vikings is more in the five to 10 range. And there would be, then there's this huge section of teams that are sort of even where it could go either way. And then, you know, after that, there's a handful that you couldn't possibly do. So, um, I
1: think, I think I came up with seven teams I felt was like no brainers. And then there's a pocket of, seven or so teams that seven eight teams even that feel kind of on the Vikings level and so at that point if you're just slotting them right in the middle of those then you're right at like 11 or 10 and I think that's kind of where they've been the last few years and I think that's kind of kind of the trajectory that they put themselves in is every year they're kind of the 10th 11th 12th best team kind of going into the season and then if things break right maybe they move forward a week NFC they move forward but um yeah I think I think that's kind of right where they should be
0: and and not being necessarily sure who will the quarterback will be for the Vikings really changes this. I mean, if next year, let's say they go nine and eight, which which I have a very interesting note on that. Someone sent me a great email. Maybe I should I just bring it up. over that. Maybe right. I should just bring it up right now. Uh, I'm going to bring it up right now. So I don't forget this great email from Dan. Let me find it. Uh, but, you know, let's say they go nine and eight and they decide they're moving on from Cousins. And is it Mond? Is it somebody else? I mean, that's really hard to tell, but if they get a good quarterback on a rookie contract with this roster already, and then you add free agents to it, all of a sudden, like this can change pretty quickly, I think from where they're at right now. So uh listener, Dan sent me an email because I've been constantly asking people whether 10 and seven was good. And the answer is not really. So Dan broke it down by your chances to make each seed by record. And if you go 10 and 7 you have, according to Dan's math, 89% chance to be the seven seed 61 to be the sixth 42 to be the fifth and under 30% to be a one, two or three, obviously a 10 and seven. And he did this by winning percentages and what seeds they make, um, you know, in comparison to like nine and seven. So if you want to be good, if you want to have a good chance to get anything higher than a, a seven or six, you have to be 11 and six, according to Dan's math. So I really appreciate him taking the time to break that down. So we should set the standard of good season is at 11 and 6, not 10 and 7, which is where I picked the Vikings to be this year. So on to your next question, Paul.
1: Sure. Uh, well, we kind of had a little bit of a quarterback discussion, so let's kind of stick with that. Uh, I think I was just struck this off season in how many quarterbacks were, could have been on the move, were on the move, uh, and kind of how that sets up, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, notwithstanding all the legal stuff that's going on with him, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo obviously was out there, Stafford got traded, Darnold got traded, people wondered if Tua might be traded, there was just so much happening on the quarterback market, and I think that's kind of a trend that we feel like we're going to continue to see. And so I'm wondering, this time next year, what do, who do we think the big quarterback names are? Uh, and I think one of them has to be Kirk Cousins, but maybe we can get into that. But if if we're forecasting out, I think we maybe saw the Rodgers one coming, uh, but I'm not sure we saw the Deshaun Watson one coming at this point last year. I'm not sure. Maybe we saw the Stafford thing. We thought Tua was set up perfectly. That one was going to go great. And obviously, all those have since changed. So if you're looking at this time next year, May 17th, 2022, what are what's going to kind of be out there in terms of the quarterback uh, conversation.
0: This is a great question because it's actually part of the reason why it makes sense for the Vikings to kind of run this thing to the end and and trade away Kirk cousins. If they decide to do that, why it would make sense because there is always so much quarterback movement each year. And if you had asked me the same question last year, I don't know who I would have said. I mean, I don't know if I would have said Jared Goff and Matt Stafford get traded for each other. But two years ago, I probably would not have guessed that Tom Brady would eventually be in Tampa Bay. Who would have guessed that, right? Um, so this is this is a very hard question. But guys that there's always um, questions about, like Derek Carr in Las Vegas. I think Derek Carr is a good quarterback. He's very much in the ballpark of a Kirk Cousins or Jimmy Garoppolo type. Jimmy Garoppolo is the first name that comes to mind for me, Um, along with Derek Carr, these quarterbacks who are not like game changers, but are good that fall into that same category. uh, Will they hold on to Jimmy Garoppolo for the whole year? I mean, probably, right? Or will they do like a Sam Bradford and Carson Wentz thing where some quarterback gets hurt and they say, ah, we have a Jimmy Garoppolo. Would you like him? But I, I I wonder if this so there's the San Francisco Cousins Garoppolo thing that got talked about. So Cousins clearly won't be going to San Francisco, but Garoppolo is going to go somewhere. Would Cousins go somewhere Would like Garoppolo end up here if they don't like Kellen Mann? I mean, that seems to be a possibility. Ben Roethlisberger, I think, is in his last year in Pittsburgh. Is he in his last year playing football would be another question. It, because at some point Pittsburgh might say, I'm sorry, Ben, we've got to move on. You just went seven and ten or or something, right? And you looked washed. Would he be a guy to go somewhere else? Russell Wilson is another one. He was clearly unhappy. His agent put it out there what teams he wanted to go to. That that doesn't seem like a tenable situation. Rodgers is the other one because I think it's a it's a decent possibility that Aaron Rodgers plays this year for the Green Bay Packers under sort of the Wink nod agreement, we will trade you after next season. Just play us, play us one more year here, win us an NFC North, and then then we will, you know, grant your wish. So those are the ones that came to mind for me. Um, am I missing any, Paul?
1: No, the big one that I thought of was Russell Wilson. He felt like it could be on a similar trajectory to Aaron Rodgers last year, where you kind of see the signs a year early and you see, okay, he kind of wanted out. We knew Rodgers wasn't happy with the Jordan Love situation. Then they go through a whole year, and let's say the Seahawks, something happens in the playoffs. Pete Carroll's not throwing the ball enough, and they lose again kind of in one of those first couple rounds. And you, you're you left wondering, okay, Russell wasn't had those two, like those couple great years where they're going to the Super Bowl, but what's happening? And then he says, I want a better roster around me. I want better, a better protection. I want a better system that fits me. And so that kind of is the one me to keep an eye on because it follows the trajectory trajectory we're on but yeah i think there's a lot of unresolved ones that we have this year that probably linger into next year so like you said with the jimmy garoppolo i would say like just because the dolphins didn't take a quarterback this year if two is bad again next year that roster is really in a position to win you'd think they'd be aggressive just like they were they looked like they were aggressive this year so i'd say that um i think same goes for carolina some of the moves that people made with quarterbacks weren't exactly long-term fixes that's it's can we see what we have here or we're going to roll the dice for one more year that's again what you saw with Matt Ryan that's the Kirk Cousins thing too and obviously the Vikings have a potential quarterback in waiting in Kellen Mond who knows if he'd actually get the job but yeah there's I think a lot of the stuff that we're hearing this year isn't just going to go away during the season once football is played if anything it's going to get amplified so I think that's kind of the fun of it is we probably don't know there's probably one or two guys that we think is Perfectly comfortable and something's going to pop up that we have no idea about. Uh, so for now, the most likely one seems like the ones we already know. And so that's why I'm looking at Russell Wilson as that big one, but I wouldn't be surprised if one or two pop up because something, something goes wrong this season.
0: Folks. If you are pumped up about how the Vikings did in the draft and now the schedule's out, it is a great time to get yourself a skull flag or Bud Grant shirt. And of course there's much, much more if you go to sodastick.com S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K dot com. Check them all out, and if you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. And if you're ready for the summer months, we're going to have hockey playoffs so you can get your Dollar Bill Krill shirts. And if you're a golfer, you have to see the Minnesota golf hats. They are classic. All of Soda Stick's apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. Follow them, Soda SodaStick.com co on twitter go to sodastick.com for your original minnesota sports inspired goods code purple insider for free shipping hey everyone anybody who listens to the show knows that sam and i may not be scratch golfers but we love to have a great time playing golf and that's why we have partnered with birdie golf in woodbury Birdie Golf is hands down the best indoor golf experience you will ever have. There are eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing, and luckily for us, never lose a ball. But it's not just for hardcore golfers. Birdie Golf is for everyone. Bring the family, play arcade-style games while dining on great food in an upscale and comfortable environment. They have private bays for social distancing, a luxury lounge for private events, outdoor patio, and scratch kitchen. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights and the best boneless wings in the Metro. Make golf a night out or the place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, even your fantasy football draft. Check out Birdie Golf at 494 in Valley Creek in Woodbury, just a short drive from anywhere in the Twin Cities Metro and at birdiegolf.com, or you could call 651-998-2200 today. I'll see you there. So who is drafting Spencer Rattler next year? Who do you th- who do you think is picking number 1 and is going to take? And if is you he the
1: consensus, is he? Yeah.
0: If you haven't seen him play for Oklahoma, he's really fun. I mean, he's got like incredible burst, he's got great arm talent. He's I mean, he's kind of like a souped up Kyler Murray.
1: Well, that could be Detroit then, um, right? If they're bad, that seems like that could be a possibility because if you're running through it this year the Jags you wouldn't think are that bad but they were the last pick or they were the first pick the Jets aren't going to take them maybe if Atlanta has another horrendous season they're up there I don't know if the Texans have even next year's first round pick Uh, if they do that would seem like an obvious spot but I I think they do I wouldn't be surprised if that's still like to the Dolphins so then you're like okay the Dolphins but if 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 the Texans have their pick that kind of seems like the obvious one uh but Detroit could also be a possibility, which wouldn't be fun for NFC North fans.
0: Okay. I'll give you a low key one. And uh, I, I will say this about Detroit and uh, we're going to get the guys from the Detroit um, podcast on at some point to make fun of them. But I think Detroit did the same thing that Carolina did. They made the same mistake as Carolina that Detroit went and got a quarterback who is decent and proven and can, and won't lose you 14 or 15 games. Like there's no way that Jared Goff goes two and 15. It just is not going to happen. So what does he go like six and 11 or something like that? Seven and 10, because just by proxy of being an average starting NFL quarterback, you're going to win an average amount of games with a mediocre team. They made a mistake. I mean, they were right there where they could have tanked and they could have played Jacoby Brissett. And so you traded Stafford away, but you should have immediately traded Jared Goff to Washington or something, a team that's ready to win and needs an average quarterback to do it. And instead they kind of doubled down and made sure that his contract locked him in for two more years. I I like Jared Goff more than most people, but I just don't really understand this fit it's, it, I think he, I think golf and Teddy are kind of similar in a lot of ways where if they're with a team that's really good, they can win a lot of games. And if they're not, I mean, they're not going to carry you just like, you know, Carolina last year. Ca- I mean, Carolina had just a, a, an atrocious roster. Um. But I, I don't really, I don't really get them either with Carolina, with what they did with Sam Darnold. So there's a, I would put Carolina there. The low-key one is New Orleans. New Orleans lost a ton of talent last year. They're going to run out Jameis, the pick six, and you know Winston, or Taysom Hill. I mean, it's just like, what are you guys doing if you're not hitting the reset button? Philly is another one. Philly has a chance, if Jalen Hurts isn't good, to be absolutely atrocious. So I think there's a lot of contenders, actually. But Houston would be the by far leader in the clubhouse. They're going to, is Davis Mills going to start like day one? This could be really bad for yeah. them.
1: I, I forget what I was listening to, but I can't remember the backup that they have there. I think it's Tyrod Taylor. I think Tyrod Taylor. Oh, that's there.
0: right. Yeah. So okay. He's, Tyrod's going to start. Yeah.
1: He's kind of, yeah. He's the ceremonial you're He's going to start three or four games and then he's going to do fine because he's a, he's a good backup quarterback, but then everyone's just going to clamor for the backup. So I could see them putting in Davis Mills, but yeah, I think, it's, I think it's Tyrod
0: Taylor. Okay. Next question I have for you. Give me your two or three, if you have three craziest storylines of the off season, because what usually happens with the off season is something nuts happens. And then like a week later, something else nuts happens. And then there's free agency and a bunch of signings. And it just sort of gets washed away along the flood. And the same thing goes for the draft. But what would you say were the wackiest or craziest things that happened this off season?
1: I I hear you because I feel like I'm going to say three and then there's going to be like eight more that I forgot. Uh, I mean, the Rogers one is like just kind of craziness in terms of how much it affects. Uh, So that one was just kind of huge news. I I think we just kind of forgot. Well, no, we didn't forget. But once Mac Jones didn't go three, I think we were like, oh, okay, cool. Like that was all that was all kind of like fake or that was just kind of drummed up looking back now, like there's no talk about that anymore as probably there shouldn't be now that the draft's gone. But the fact that that was just so cemented in our minds, I remember the last time I think we did hot routes, we did which quarterback is going to fall. And that was right after the Schefter report. And I I think we said Trey Lance at that point. Cause we were like, well, I guess Mac Jones is going three and we're just accepting that. But the fact that a quarterback of his kind of athletic build was going to go that high to Kyle Shanahan when there were all these other quarterbacks on there, that'll still be wacky to me. Uh, The fact that we still are talking about Tim Tebow right now is wacky to me. That one might just be kind of recency bias, but his name just keeps popping up. And then we have to keep talking about, is it disrespectful to someone else who could be on a roster that Tim Tebow is going to take a 90 up spot on the 90 man roster, which it's not just like, he's probably not going to make it. It's one of 90 guys. Like he's a backup backup tight end. Like let's get over that. And then, I mean, the stuff we still don't really know about is the Deshaun Watson stuff. And I don't want to, get too much into it but that one just kind of seems like it's lingering and we don't know <laughs> what's happening like at all at one point he's the hottest name on the on the trading market every team's how many first round picks are you giving up for Deshaun Watson and suddenly like people are like is he playing again and so that has to be ranking right up there as well
0: what did you what did you have okay so i had a few of those deshaun watson was one of them and i mean we could talk about it for a second here massage People like that. I mean, right. The, the team has uh, professionals who are contracted with the team to give players massages in a professional manner whenever those players need a massage. And I don't know if he's guilty or not but that's weird as hell. I mean, it's we- <laughs> it, at very least it is weird as hell that this guy was contacting 20, 30, whatever number of, you know, people who, uh, what what are they called? Masseuses, uh, masseuse. I, I don't know. Uh, but like, so, so strange. And the allegations are just like, re- you are letting Your career crumble over this potentially, if this turns out to be true. So that's nuts. Not only that, but Deshaun Watson was like the shining star of character quarterbacks, like the leader and just beloved by teammates. There was the video of JJ Watt saying, Hey, we let you down this year, buddy. You know, you played great. And he had an unbelievable season last year. Like that for them to even go four and 12, it tells you. He was four wins above replacement because if that's anyone else, they're going on 16. That's how bad that team was. And he almost, and he almost won like four or five other games, including against the Vikings. So uh, that's nuts. The Mac Jones thing. I don't like to comment often on what other reporters do because we focus on the Vikings. We don't talk about the media. There are media analysts for that. Follow Richard Deitch if you want to, but can we get an apology from all these people who sold us on Mac Jones can, can we get any acknowledgement? Any Hey, sorry, I'm Mike silver. And I wrote 30 tweets about why it's Mac Jones and it was all BS. And then we get to the draft and the 49ers say, uh, yeah, we didn't actually tell anyone. So uh, all those sources, Michael Lombardi said, I'll put my sources up against yours. We're like, okay, so your sources were dead ass wrong. Can we get an apology for that? I, I thought, and you are, more recent in journalism school than me. I thought when I was in journalism school that getting reports right was what you were supposed to do or there were consequences, but apparently there aren't in draft season. So it's not crazy to me because it happens almost every year, but I just look around like, it, it's all, it's almost like um, one of those disaster movies where on speed, they have, you know, people die on the bus and everything else and things blowing up. And then at the end, it's just like, oh, everything's good now. You know, we're good. Yeah, it was oh, crazy, man. but we're good. Like, what? You know, I don't know. So that that was on my I, list.
1: I, I laughed out loud. I think I got a notification like yesterday or something on my phone that Mac Jones was just is just a star of rookie minicamp so far. He's been... He's just been great, great with everyone's been blown away. So I don't know if we're ready to be done with the Mac Jones discourse quite yet, but I was like, okay, you got him at 15. Like we're done. Can he just, can he just be normal? We don't have to say he was just the the goat in waiting now in r- rookie mini camp. I don't, I wasn't there. I don't know what you saw, but I don't know how much you can stand out in that, in that setting.
0: Okay. I kind of love that though. Like I, I just, I kind of love when people try to figure out in rookie mini camp. I, I don't as people have heard on this show that, you know, we went and watched some seven on sevens. I couldn't really tell you like about Kellen Mond other than I think his throwing motion might need some work, but um, Kellen Mond also said he's trying to get the footwork down for rollouts and plays and stuff. So, you know, there's a long way to go, but I also love when the local media is like, Whoa, this guy looks amazing. Like, <laughs> Okay. I'm sure he does. Uh, but the Mac Jones discourse will not end because that's one that will we'll keep coming back to and losing subscribers to the podcast because of it. Um, so I'm not afraid of that. So I, I guess uh, that was part of it. How about even just Eric B enemy, not getting hired for a job and urban Meyer getting hired for a job. What? I mean, how, how is this continuing to happen? Would be my question.
1: Yeah. And then the urban, there was like a, a coach that urban Meyer hired for like a week but then everything came. He was like formerly an Iowa coach. And then he had to get rid of him right away. Cause there was so much backlash. Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes.
1: Jacksonville is just a toll, a whole mess in itself. And it's like, I, we want Trevor Lawrence to be really good. And I don't think anyone is discounting what urban Meyer can do like offensively. It just, it's, it's been a weird mix there. And so the Jags, the Jags are their whole own story in itself. And as I was kind of thinking about this, it was like, I think every team probably has like two or three storylines that are like the craziest for them. And you're probably forgetting all the storylines, like just with the Vikings, there's been so many things that could pop up. And so that's really like, I mean, we could eat the Jeff Gladney stuff. Now the Kellen Mond, like there's just so much for any team. Uh, so yeah, I totally forgot about the Eric B enemy thing uh, and the fact that he doesn't have a job. Hopefully he will at some point if he wants one. Um, but yeah, that I totally forgot about that one.
0: And and I don't mean to say, I just want to circle back. I don't mean to say that like the reporters who said that Mac Jones is going to be number three should be fired. It's just that I, I would love to have them explain what went wrong for why they believed so strongly that Mac Jones was going to be number three when it just didn't pass the smell test. Like nobody believed it. No, nobody. I mean, maybe at one point there was some conversation and it got out or something, or maybe, and this is possible, the 49ers, because I know teams do this, the 49ers told a couple of people who they think have big mouths to see if it would get out and if it would end up in other places, and then it did. So that's possible, but you got to vet that as a reporter. I would just love to know what exactly happened there and why we were led to believe Mac Jones was going to be number three and that that's you know what was reported. I also think next year, just keep it in mind. Just as, as you go through the reporting from the inside experts and, and whatever, insiderers, just know that in draft season, they don't know anything. They really don't. You'd be better off with, like Chris Trappasso says, he tries to stay away from agents. He stays away from sources because all they do is just muddy the water for you. They make it worse and not better, and he ends up being more accurate a lot of times by not doing that. So bad information is worse than uh, no information at all. All right, on to your next question. Cool.
1: Well, you guys did all the stuff with the schedule release last week. And I'm not sure if you had this conversation on the live stream um, or at uh, the podcast, but every year we talk about what team's going to go first to worse. And I think it's a pretty easy conversation this year. I think people probably are looking at the 49ers as kind of that obvious team. They were in just like injury hell last year. They couldn't buy like a, a, a healthy player. So it was, that, that seems like the obvious one, and Trey Lance, just some ascension that happens. So if we're going off the board, outside of the 49ers, are there any teams that you're looking at that make sense to, to go first to worst?
0: I have a pick, the Atlanta Falcons, under new head coach Arthur Smith, who did an amazing job with the Tennessee Titans in their offense, and a similar quarterback like Matt Ryan and Ryan Tannehill at this point in their careers, are probably pretty similar. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has a little more mobility to his game, but they both need a lot of help. They get Kyle Pitts in there. If they can improve on defense a little, look at that division all of a sudden. Carolina's a joke. New Orleans lost half their team. Tampa Bay played in the Super Bowl, which usually means the next year you get a lot of injuries. Um, they still have Tom Brady, but he is 44. I'm not counting them out. I, they're still reasonably a favorite, but. This happens a lot when teams go to the Super Bowl. look at the 49ers the next year, they get a lot of injuries, they drop back. So I think the Falcons, even if they won like 10 games, might have a chance to tie for the division lead 11 games. They can really get fat uh, against new Orleans and Carolina there. That's a possibility. Um, And the AFC, I'm not sure that there is one. The one team I would say is Denver. If they get Aaron Rodgers, but I still don't know that even with, yeah. Aaron, with Aaron Rodgers that they could go to number one. The long shot, but you might even think about it, even though it's a tough division, would be the Cincinnati Bengals. Because second year with a rookie quarterback, if Joe Burrow comes out, lights the world on fire with Jamar Chase's new weapons, that'd be the, the extreme long shot. But I guess I would mention them, too, just because of how the trajectory of teams goes.
1: Yeah, the Bengals stuck out the one to me is the one I wanted to pick, like that's the one I wanted to pick badly based on their roster. I mean, they bring in Riley reef. They have, I think their right tackle was um, out with an injury. Most of last year, they bring him back. So I know they didn't go offensive line in the first round. I believe they got a tackle in the second round. And then Jamar chase, Joe burrow. I'm just interested to see what that head coach can do. Cause it feels like he's just been getting a pass these first few years, Zach Taylor. It's like, he was one of those Rams, Sean McVay disciples that just kind of got a job. And We still really haven't been able to see what he can do. So I'd be excited to see what, what kind of happens there. And so they feel like the team that I want to make the biggest jump, but I just see the Ravens and the Browns as teams that are going to be really good. I think, I guess if Trevor Lawrence just was absolutely like generational that could happen. Cause I don't think any team is exactly running away with that division either. We just got done talking about the Texans probably being the worst team in the NFL, the Colts, whence we don't know what happens there and then it's just the titans and so at that point things get things happen with injuries things just happen with teams regressing and so if they were just if trevor lawrence was just everything that anyone expected him to be that's that's another one i could see the one i wanted to go to a little bit was the eagles but i just don't like that division is just such a tire fire that i was like well maybe anyone can win it but I don't, I'm not a huge believer in Jalen Hurts, so I don't I don't foresee that one. But just because of how bad the division has been, I don't know if that one can be ruled out entirely.
0: Their coach might also be a nut, too. Like, this is the guy who was playing rock, paper, scissors with the prospects to decide who was competitive. And that, to me, uh, is an immediate red flag. Uh-oh, what did you do not hiring Eric Bieniemy? That might have been a mistake. Jacksonville is a great pick. Now, if we talk about first to worst... Um, if Houston wasn't in that division, I would have picked Tennessee here, but that, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, Washington, I think, stays ahead of Philly. So I don't know if they could go to worst. The obvious pick here is New Orleans, that it's very possible that Jameis Winston throws 30 picks and they're just horrible. But I mean, actually, you know who is a first uh, to worst candidate? If Aaron Rodgers doesn't play, yeah. is Green Bay. That was the one I was thinking. If Detroit won seven games and Green Bay won six because Jordan Love is horrible then uh, then that could happen. So um, I'm going to skip my last question, go to your last question. It's kind of fun. And we did something really similar to this on the show. I asked Courtney this question. So uh, somebody emailed me and asked if you could have a punter who punted it to the other team's one yard line every single time, would you draft him in the first round? And my answer was yes. If it's from any point on the field. Now you found a similar internet question to ask that we can wrap up here on.
1: Yeah, it was if you had the first overall pick and you had a chance to pick a kicker that had a 100% chance of making a kick. From- hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
0: Go to your happy place
1: for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. From any range, do you take them?
0: Hey everyone, I wanna tell you about our friends It's Scout Logistics. And I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics. And since they reached out wanting to support this show, I wanna tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor trailer loads. And if you're wondering what that means exactly, well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America And we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out ScoutLogistics.com or call 855-217-2688 extension 232 to connect with them directly to find out how scout logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company.
1: Um, do would you like to answer first or do you want me to go?
0: I think this question is almost too easy. Like I want to adapt it because I feel like it's too easy. Like I know, the answer I, is so obviously yes, that you would take someone who could hit a hundred percent from anywhere because you think about even like points per drive. I mean, it, it, that means if you go three and out after a kickoff, you get three points automatically. I mean, I mean yeah, yeah. You I would, know. It, it should yeah, be you amended
1: to like anything like 75 yards or in or something like that. So you at least have to make some progress. In which case, I think it gets more interesting. But in my head, it's like, if he's going to make any kick, even if it's just a 40-yard, like if he's just going to make every 40-yarder, every 50-yarder, like that is extremely, extremely valuable. And you just look at the first round and how many busts come out of the first round every single year. If you're coming to me and you're saying, even if this guy's just a regular kicker and is kicking everything in at any point, then it still might be more valuable. Like at this point, would we rather take that kicker over uh jeff gladney like i think there's yeah. a pretty obvious or like <laughs> over garrett bradbury like i think when you look at first round picks we all think they're so valuable and they are until they turn into an actual player that sometimes isn't very good so if you're even just giving me like a uh justin tucker like like one of those guys but even better like i'm taking that and so yes the 100 sets it up even even more but there were a lot of people that were saying no which is why i brought the question here
0: yeah. Okay. No is insane. No is silly. Of course, over a, right. Like a middle of the first round corner. Like, yeah, you would <laughs> take a guy who's going to make every kick. So, but my amended questions off of this, cause that seems too obvious to me. Maybe there are people that disagree. It just, I don't know how you, if you, if the other team, coffin cornered you and you ran three times and then got three points like you'd win every <laughs> game i don't know how you would ever lose it would be so maddening for another coach too <laughs> all right like no matter what they did on defense you got three points for every possession so you end up with like nine possessions in a game and the lowest amount of points you could score is 27 so i yeah i think uh just when we do it that way it becomes a little more clear um i mean <laughs> You could fumble a snap and run backwards 20 yards and get three points. Like, no, that's, yeah, it's not going to do it. Um, But now here's the two things I thought of. If you had a kicker who would make every kick under 40 yards, guaranteed every kick under 40 yards, but could not make anything over 40 yards, would that be worth a first round pick? Or or was average over 40 yards? We'll say that. was like a guarantee under 40, but was average anywhere else. Like league average past that. Would that be worth a first round pick? I think maybe
1: a first round pick back of the first round pick for a team that had so many troubles, like the Vikings had. Like, if I'm coming from this past of like sitting on, like watching the Blair Walsh kick and then like falling to the ground and like staring at the ceiling for 20 minutes, not saying anything to anyone after that happened, like that's my personal experience. So, would I take that over like Jeff Gladney, had we picked like that pick or Garrett Bradbury or just even some of like the average first rounders probably just to like save my, my like, just like stress, like just to save some of that. Um, If we're getting up to like the, the question that I had, it said first overall pick. And at that point, no, like you're trying to get one of those generational guys. Like if I have a chance to get Trevor Lawrence, even though if I have this like sure thing in the bag, like I'm going to go for someone who's a little bit more transformational, but yeah, I think, I think you do. If you are guaranteed that he's not going to flame out, that he's going to be really good for a really long time. I think that's just kind of the thing with kickers. Like Roberto Aguayo goes in the second round and then is out like after a year. But if he was just the best kicker in the league and he's still a second round pick, I'm sure people are still going to be mad at that, but it's going to be a little bit more defensible. So if this guy's really, really great from 40 and in, he's making every extra point, he's making every field goal, and he can just be average 50 yards plus, I feel like that's an asset.
0: Yeah, I just, I feel like... um you have to be Justin Tucker to be worth it, something like that. And you can never predict which college kicker will be Justin Tucker. So you should just never do it. Like even Sebastian Janikowski had a great career, but was it good enough to justify the first round pick? No. Uh, to the answer of the the 40 yard and in the answer is no, I would not because you shouldn't be kicking field goals 40 and in any way. You should be going for touchdowns unless it's uh, you know, fourth and 18 or something, then you're allowed to kick a field goal. But if it's fourth and four and it's inside a 40 yard field goal, you better be going for it. Try to maximize your uh, scoring. Now, the last one I thought of was this. If you had a guy who was a decent percentage, let's say like 60% from 75 yards, would you kick field goals with him from 75 yards? Even if in practice, you knew that he could make them. Would you do it if it was 60% from 75 yards away, knowing that the other team then gets the ball to 25 in the 40% that he misses? Would you still take those shots?
1: Man. That's hard. I I don't think so. I think the field position battle, I I don't know if they're starting at my 25 every time you don't make it well, 40%. I don't know. This is hard. What, what what did you what did you kind of think when you were when you were looking at this question?
0: It would have to be only at the end of halves. I think yeah. I I don't think you can give the ball the other team at the yeah. twenty five okay. yard line all the time. That's like a I mean that is a bad turnover. That's like a horrible turnover if you end and up. And it's happening forty percent
1: of the time. Forty so.
0: percent is probably too much. But in close games, you would love it if it was like the fourth quarter and it's late in the game and you're down by two points or something, you might as well, or you're down by one, especially you might as well. Cause even if the other team scores, it'd be an eight point game, or you could stop them on the two point conversion and have yourself another shot. I just wonder like how valuable would it be to have someone who could bang them from that far away. And at the end of the game, you'd probably win one or two games a year, just at the end of a game where you had to kick it from 75 yards.
1: Yeah, no, that I, I mean, it would be electric to watch someone hit 75 yard field goals just to win games that would be absurd so just for that fun factor like i it it makes me consider it
0: I wonder if this is just like totally off the wall but it's summertime now if like is there a rule that you have to snap it seven yards back is there a rule like that or could or can you I don't know this every team kicks field goals the exact same way could you have your guy line up farther back? to get more of a run up on the ball to kick it because this is part of the issue is that if you take too long, like these guys in practice can make them from 70 yards. It's just that it takes a big run up to be able to do it, to be able to kick it that far. Is it, someone will have to tell me if it's against the rules to snap it back like 15 yards. And even though you'd be kicking it farther, you could get a bigger run up and maybe there's a equation so it, there. It I don't feels know. almost
1: like a kickoff, like they're kicking yeah. it off from, because <laughs> right. I mean, Then you then you see it. So, yeah, if they could have that amount of time, it could be a lower trajectory, whatever trajectory they need to and not feel like it's going to get blocked by the line because they're up front. That obviously changes it a little bit, too. So that would be cool. I wonder if there is a rule there. There probably is. But who knows?
0: Yeah, who knows? Uh, Do you have any questions for me or just anything on your mind about the Vikings? I'll answer it right now. We've got time. Just wow. hanging out. You're you're skipping work right now to do this podcast. So yeah, hopefully no one is listening
1: that works uh, with me. But you know, who knows? Um, Vikings questions.
0: Just you know, anything on your mind just before we wrap up? <laughs> rookie minicamp. Am I roster. am I supposed to have
1: questions after rookie minicamp? I know a lot of people do, but to me, no. the roster looked like there were so many people out there. There were quarterbacks behind Kellen Mond that I was like, who who are these people? What's going on? Uh, this just kind of feels like the dead zone. But um, no, I don't know if I have any pressing questions, but, you know, I'll ask them in the Friday mailbag. I haven't been asking questions, but I think I should. I think I should start asking you
0: Friday mailbag questions. It's time for you to jump in the uh, yeah, the Friday mailbag already was asking me about which press box food was the best. So we're kind of we are in that range of where we talk about whether it's legal to snap the ball back a little farther. But we will have very, very, very serious football talk on the way. Uh, I was going to tell you, it's Jake Browning and Nate Stanley. Paul, oh. come on. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, this is something I thought of. That we've had all these discussions about Kellen Mond and what he means, and if Jake Browning ends up being the backup and Kellen Mond the number three, it's all just going to be right out the window. I I mean, it's possible. It's who can run the offense better. I mean,
1: well, wasn't that the whole like Jordan Love wasn't even starting or that wasn't even the backup? Like they had some some random guy behind him. So yeah, I, I don't think that would be at least for Vikings fans. I don't think they'd love to see that, but if we're really getting in the weeds, you think it would be Jake Browning over Nate Stanley if we're really getting into quarterback three talk now in the deep in the office? Yes,
0: Yes, I do. I I think that, I actually think that they kind of like Jake Browning as a potential backup long-term, but I mean, not enough to not draft Kellen Mond, but somebody who knows how to run the offense in the practices last year when they had the scrimmage, like the live scrimmage, uh, he played pretty well. So I don't know. I mean, it's hard. Like, you don't see a whole lot of the guy. There wasn't even a preseason last year, but I guess his... Preseason reps will matter, and it will be interesting to see if he's the number three or number two. I suppose. And also, Tim Boyle has a family. Don't call him some random guy, Paul. Come I'm, on.
1: I mean, he's making so much money; he's doing fine. I think he can handle me calling him a random guy. So.
0: <laughs> Thinks you're a random guy. So, uh, uh, yes, you are a random. Well, no, but not when you're when well, not when you have a brand. You have more of a brand yes. than Tim Boyle. He's not backup. He's not backup Boyle like your intern, Paul. So. All right. That's it. That's enough. So, uh, we'll do this again soon, Paul. This was lots of fun. Again, there's lots coming up this week of very super serious, uh, Vikings talk. So I just wanted to have some fun. This is a nice day. So we'll catch you next time here on purple insider.